Welcome back, everybody, to the fifth episode of What A Week podcast. And in this episode coming up, Janine and I discuss the Robert Mueller investigation. We also talk about how us working middle class families are paying more in federal taxes than a company that is worth almost one trillion dollars. And then lastly, we dive into a very disturbing article from The Atlantic from former acting FBI director Andrew McCabe. Welcome back, everybody, to the fifth episode of What A Week podcast. And I am back here again with Janine. And as always, uh, we had a very crazy week. And so we're going to try our best to kind of recap the some of the more insane stories. But um, but yeah, before we go into that, how was your week, Janine? It was great. Thanks. How was yours? It was good. I was, um, yeah, just pretty much living the life of working a nine to five and <laughs> and yep. just that's pretty much it work and family and uh what do you do again what's up what do you do again i sell like uh water filtration systems so my clientele are like restaurants hotels and hospitals because like in their kitchen equipment you can't just use like county water um, yeah. You know, by law, they just make it safe enough to drink. But you know, a lot of these kitchen equipments, you know, they're spending twenty thousand dollars on an oven, and if you just use yeah. non-filtered water, it'll eat away at it. So it's uh, so yeah. So it's cool. I mean, it's it's good. I mean, it's uh, people need it. You know, so they can't. Yeah. You know, they can't. So it's good security. <laughs> awesome. But what do you do? I'm a digital court reporter. So what does that mean? Uh, I am the person typing away during court sessions, annotating all the, I record everything that happens and do my best to annotate what everybody says and who says what when. Oh, there you go. That's cool. That's never, yeah. wait, so that's different from those people that are, wait, is those the same as the people? I don't use the machine. I, I use just a regular computer and keyboard. Okay. All right. There you I go. I type like a million words per minute. Really? <laughs> I'd say what the... One of the only classes that like I felt benefited me when I was in high school, well, technically middle school was typing. I felt like really, yeah, like we 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 learned how I don't to type. Use, I took typing. I don't use it at all. I have my own thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. We uh, I remember taking that in middle school, and it definitely it definitely helped. I mean, I'm typing away, and it's just like typing my eyes closed and everything. I've never done the test. I don't know how many words I could type, but. Oh, you should do it. You can just Google it, and you'll find like a word per minute test thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I have to, have to check yeah, it should, out. We should we should have a challenge one time. Oh, you'd probably burn me. I mean, you're just <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just type emails. You you type to keep up with court stuff. So now is this like county stuff or federal or like it's, state? Uh, county. Okay, county stuff. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So, yep. uh, well, yeah, well, I guess, um, Janine, you want to go ahead and get us started with, uh, with what happened? I guess you want to go with, you want to go with the first story? Yeah. The first story that I want to talk about today is something that, first of all, on the topic of jobs, I'm an independent contractor. Mm. So I have started filing my taxes and let me tell you, it is not pretty. Okay. So this story is really getting my goat so to speak 
Um, it recently came out. I want to say in the last, just uh, today even or yesterday, Amazon paid zero dollars in federal taxes for 2017 and 2018. And not only did they not pay anything, they actually got a rebate back. Mm. So in 2018, Amazon paid a tax rate of negative 1.2%. So we're paying Amazon. Now. Who made $11.2 billion last year. Yeah, I was about to ask. Yeah, what was their we're, profit? We're paying them. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So what does... Now, is this a result of the Trump tax cut? Uh, no, because they paid negative two point five in two thousand seventeen. Okay, so this was already existing uh, yep. loopholes. This is just the way the government works. Wow. Okay, yeah. so. Obviously, I guess you could say the Trump tax bill sort of amplified it, right? Gave them more perks to, because they dropped the corporate rate at to twenty one percent. But I, it's obvious they're obviously not paying that, right? They're not. No, they're twenty three percent off. <laughs> Less, like they're not paying a twenty one percent income tax rate. They're paying negative one point two. We are paying them one point two percent of whatever money profits. I mean, I can't even open a savings account. That pays me 1.2%. And here we have taxpayers paying one of the richest companies in, in the country, world, money. Wow. It's insane. As I get ready to fork over some money, I'm mm. paying more taxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Janine is paying more taxes than Amazon. Yeah. And I'm sure you are too. Oh, yeah. Well, like for, for me, it's, you know... I'll get the as we're filing our taxes because Jenny's the same way. She's a photographer, so you know she's her own business. Yeah, she's self-employed. So yeah, so it's like I'll get excited. Well, the first year I learned the hard way. I got all excited. I'm like, yeah, we're getting a big refund. And then Jenny's like, wait till I enter my stuff, you know. And then she did, and <laughs> I mean, it's like a little like a arrow, or whatever, you know. So it just yeah. went down, almost like a gas gauge. Yeah, it, it just went down. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it's... So, I was thinking about Amazon paying no taxes. And, I'm, you know, we were just talking about filing our taxes. And I, I it re- reminded me of an article that just came out recently that tax refunds are down across the board. So, a lot of people who previously got a refund are owing. Mm. And a lot of people who previously counted on a pretty decent check are finding that that typical windfall is uh, not materializing this year. Wow. So they're getting a wake-up call. Yeah. And is there, did it say why? Is there a reason why uh, they're getting less, uh, I guess, a less refund this year? Well, uh, from my understanding, I, honestly, I didn't read the article super in-depth. I just kept seeing, you know, snippets here and there. Sure. But from my understanding of the tax code and the, the impact that it's had, people's take-home pays in the last year increased. So basically what happened is we were still going to pay the same amount, but we were withholding less. Right. Everyone's withholding less. Sure. So we sent less money in. So the government is sort of spinning it like, 
this is a good thing for you. Like, you're not overpaying the government. You're still paying the same amount of taxes, but, you know, yeah. you're not paying it up front now. But people kind of count on that. And so it's a very rude awakening for people to find out that all of a sudden their refund that they typically count on is turning into them having to cut a check. Wow. So it's not just them getting less refund. It's them having to take money out of their pocket and yes. pay. The, so, yep. and I think the statistics are like people, the average American family, if they had an emergency of like $300 or more, they'd be screwed over because yes. they don't have that. So now they have to fork yeah. over the money to Uncle Sam, who they yep. hate, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so they're definitely, uh, wow. I just, it, it stinks that this, is, this isn't an election year. So... I wonder how that's going to carry over to next yeah, year. I think I think people will probably remember, especially because they're going to have to file their taxes again. You know, yeah. right in in, 20, in the primary season. Right. Yeah. So. Wow. So then, to recap, you have Amazon paying zero dollars, but technically earning money. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so, a company worth almost a trillion dollars is paying zero dollars in federal it's taxes. It's getting paid. My check that I send to the government is getting redirected and sent over to Amazon. So that's definitely an issue. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I can see, and, and I hope Democrats jump on that for yeah. messaging. Like yeah. for, cause yeah, yeah. Like for saying, Hey, these are the types of policies that Republicans push. And, you know, to kind of sort of explain like we're five, taxes are used for things, <laughs> you know, like yeah. firefighters, police officers, schools, for the military. So when you have a company that's worth almost a trillion dollars contributing nothing to that, yep. na- naturally the cost goes to who? To us. Yep. So, Janine, you are paying for, you know, all those golf trips to Mara Largo, <laughs> you know, and and Amazon is is like you say we are paying we are paying them. That's definitely something wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't work like that. It's inequitable. And it's amazing that Trump ran on a populist agenda that the everyday working man, which really boggles my mind, because I would love to have a time machine and ask these Trump supporters. Before even Trump was on the radar to run for president, how did you feel about him? You know, I, I would say the majority of them would say he was just a obnoxious New Yorker, fake billionaire, you know, who's Reality not... Reality TV host. Yeah, yeah, like someone who's not an everyday man, someone who's not a Joe the Plumber. And for him to, you know, run on this populist message, which is popular, I mean, it really is, but clearly... All he is doing is hiring lobbyists and, uh, you know, so and it's interesting. I think that, you know, we talked last time about the right and their obsession with AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. It's interesting that a lot of her policies are popular. You yeah. Know? And how the Republicans are trying to demonize her. But it's like it's she's almost like, you know, like uh, she gets stronger by the hate. You know, so yeah. her her message definitely, and so she 
was very outspoken about Amazon wanting to open their uh, headquarters, like a second one, right? And, yeah, New York City. Yeah, and so that got New shut down. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I, I, I've seen people pin that on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but I don't remember the details, but I remember that ha- having... It has something to do with some state senator who was on some committee, and apparently he was having his constituents complain, and he was about to like pull the the rug out from underneath it. And so before that happened, apparently Amazon went and withdrew their intent. Mm. Okay, and that would not because even though they said, "Hey, we would create twenty five thousand jobs," but there would be no unions. I mean, there would be no workers' rights. I mean, it would be almost like a Walmart, you know, just... And the thing is, is the, the people who live there now are concerned about gentrification. So it's going to attract a bunch of Silicon Valley six-figure salaries, and the people who live there now are not going to be able to live there anymore. And so that was a very big concern. Hmm. Wow. So, well, now we know we paid more in taxes than Amazon. And, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, not only did we pay more, we ended up, not only did we pay the government more, we paid Amazon. <laughs> like, a hundred and, was it $29 million? Is that what it was, I think? Something like that. Well, let's see. Yeah, $129 million. Their tax rebate. Wow. So they got it. So, okay, we'll put it, they got a refund check. Yeah. <laughs> so they while, got a tax rebate. Yeah, they got a tax refund. So while we are paying Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam is paying Amazon. So yeah. that's trickle down for you, you know? Yep. So, okay, uh, I guess I will so, go ahead. I was going to ask, what do you have next? Okay, yeah. So, what story did you want to talk about? So I want to talk about a story that um, was reported last week about Paul Manafort. And to recap, uh, Paul Manafort was Trump's uh, campaign chairman, so he was pretty much uh, very—he was a very central figure in the Trump campaign. Even though they tried to downplay it uh, after he was arrested, which is funny. Like every time something happens with Trump's campaign, whether it's his lawyer, national security advisor, whatever, Sarah Huckabee Sanders always says it has nothing to do with Trump. <laughs> you know, like anytime, anytime an indictment drops or anything like that. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, so with the uh, what happened this week with Paul Manafort, just to remind you guys, he's currently in jail. Um, he's been in jail because he was uh, witness tampering. He was um, sort of still trying to talk to uh, work for Russia behind bars. Um, he's definitely a mess. He is 70 years old, so it's not looking good. There, um, it's not looking good for him. But what happened this week, and I'll read a few excerpts from the article from CNN. Uh, the judge in Paul Manafort's case. Now, remember, Paul Manafort had two trials. The first one he was found guilty of. And the second one, before he even went to trial, uh, he pled guilty. So uh, pretty much to cooperate with Mueller. And so here's what the CNN article says. It says, Paul Manafort, quote unquote, intentionally lied to the special counsel, uh, breaking the plea agreement that made him the star cooperator in the Russia probe, a federal judge said on Wednesday. Uh, It said Manafort made up multiple false statements to the FBI, to Robert Mueller, 
and the grand jury concerning matters that were material to the investigation, including his contacts with Russian associates during the campaign and later. So this was after, uh, so after Paul Manafort, you know, agrees to cooperate with Mueller, which I think was in like last October, um, he is still obstructing. <laughs> uh, he is still lying about his contacts. Uh, the article goes on to say that the judge determined Manafort intentionally lied about $125,000 he received to help cover his legal bills. Because that's the thing. He's in jail. How is he making money? So yeah. someone's paying for it. So it's looking like somehow the White House and Trump are funneling money to... I think it's the White House. That's what I thought it was. It was... Uh, oh, it's an unnamed source. But oh, okay. I just assumed the White House. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he lied about that. He lied about his interactions with a Russian associate. Um, the judge noted twice in her order that two of the topics Paul Manafort lied about, again, were his contacts with the Russian official and the payments he received for his legal bills. And let's see. Lastly, I think my favorite part of the whole article, it says Mueller spokesman Peter Carr declined the comment. Of course. Always. He declined the comment. But, always. But Manafort's lawyer said he didn't intend, to, you know, to lie, you know, so. Which well, they tried the, to argue that, but the judge found that there were five cases that I think Mueller brought forth to say that he was lying. And she actually didn't find grounds to say that he had intentionally lied over two of them. Mm, okay. So, but yeah. Three so she, of them, yes. Okay, so three out of the five. And, and the thing that that should concern anybody who has been interviewed by Robert Mueller is there's probably a 99% chance he already knows the answer. You know? So, like, for example, Robert Mueller grabbed... They didn't know, but he had the emails. When Trump won the election in November of 2016, he had to hire what they call a transition team. So from November of 2016 to his inauguration in January the following year, there's this transition team. Well, apparently, Robert Mueller grabbed those emails. He grabbed everything, all the contacts, all the emails. So he has all the documents, and no one knew. No one knew he did that. And Don, you know, he interviewed Don Jr. He interviewed Mike Pence. He interviewed Michael Flynn. He interviewed all these people, and they had no idea that he already had their emails. So he knew when they were lying. And so yeah. I want to ask you, what do you think about the recent news that Sarah Huckabee Sanders was interviewed a while ago by Mueller? I think that's pretty interesting. Um, I think she probably has information to offer on the obstruction of justice line of inquiry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's probably the, the line of attack they're taking there, what they were focusing on with her. Um, apparently it was like eight months ago. Gosh, eight yeah. months ago. Eight months ago. So. Do, do you think they signed some like agreement that they can't say anything? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. I think honestly it might be self-preservation. Hmm. Cause they know it becomes like, Oh, so-and-so was questioned, you know, it, it just looks bad. So sure. I could see them 
wanting to kind of keep that under wraps if they could. Sure. Okay. So why it's coming out now, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that just shows you that Mueller doesn't leak, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So then we have Paul Manafort, who just continues to get in the way of, he's, he's just like digging his own grave. He just can't quit committing crimes. Like just, he just lives and breathes crimes, apparently. <laughs> and, and I even think in one of those court documents, it says something like he did it like, I, I, I'm butchering it, but it says something to the extent of like, he didn't need to do it. You know, he didn't need yeah. to, you know, cheat the country because he was rich. He was well, he was well educated and stuff. So, yeah, um, he's just greedy. Now, and, and I'll try to answer it too, but I'll ask you first. You know, you know, why do you think he continues to do this? To obstruct? Uh, I have multiple thoughts on that. And mm-hmm. I have, sort of have like the conspiracy theory thought and then I have like the safer thought. Right. So the conspiracy theory thought is we're, we know that he's got ties with Russian oligarchs who've got ties with the Russian mob and he's owed a lot of people a lot of money and we know that those people are not afraid to kill people on other countries' soil. Like It's just I think he fears them more than he fears spending the rest of his life in prison personally. Mm. Gotcha. Um, and then the other option is just he's an, you know, maybe he's just an idiot. Just <laughs> Can't quit stepping in it. Right. Do you I mean, think? It can go way. Do you think he's holding out for a pardon? Oh, a hundred percent. You think so? Okay. Yeah, that's that's the best case scenario. He is going to bed on his gel cell cot, praying on his knees for a pardon every single night. I guarantee it. I mean, that's his only his only recourse. Now, what do you think happens if both to Trump and him, if Trump decides to pardon him? I mean, if Trump decides to pardon him, he's technically allowed to do that. So I guess Manafort would be released. I think he'd probably end up seeing like some state level charges or something like that. Um, I'd like to think that people would freak out over Trump pardoning him. Right. Um, I'm sure they would. I'm sure Republicans would come out and issue strongly worded statements that they don't agree with it. And then they do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd picture Mitt Romney saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from what I understand, though, let's say Trump does pardon him. And let's say Congress, let's say Democrats in the House, subpoena him to testify. So because he was pardoned, from what I understand, he technically can no longer plead the fifth. Oh, yeah, that's true. It has to be self-incriminating. And if you can't face charges again, then... Yeah. Yeah. So that's. But but at that point, I mean, he would probably just make them issue a contempt of court and like deal with that. Yeah. So he wouldn't you know? show up. Yeah. 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 He just wouldn't show up. I think. <laughs> uh, Paul Manafort. <laughs> yeah. So I guess so. Uh, speaking of Paul Manafort, I guess are you able to share? What, oh, this uh, was good. Okay. I was standing in, in line at Sweet Tomatoes the other night mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, got a news alert that Man- or Mueller had not necessarily recommended a sentence. Okay. Um, 
because that is the thing that prosecutors can do. They can officially recommend a, a sentence. Um, however, they issued a uh, an order saying that they agreed with the sentencing guidelines for the charges that he has pleaded guilty to and been charged with. And it worked out to a guideline of 19 to 24 years in prison. Gosh. And it's crazy because if he had just told the truth and done what he was supposed to, he might have gotten a year, three years maybe, mm. maybe. You know, like the, the, I see this at work all day long. Like sentencing guidelines are insane. Like they're really long. No one ever actually gets sentenced to the full guideline. Um, and so the idea of Mueller saying, yeah, we agree with somewhere between, you know, in the neighborhood of 19 to 24 years is pretty just, it's flabbergasting. Wow. That's a very long sentence. And so I don't know if, if the judge will deviate from the sentencing guidelines or what, but he's got to be pretty scared right now. Now, so remind us, how old is he again? He is technically 69, turning right. 70 shortly. 70 years old with a possible yeah. sentence. In a wheelchair, of... ill health. His family doesn't visit him. God. He's complaining about that. Oh, he was? Yeah. <laughs> it, is, yeah. it is a little hard to feel sorry for him. You know? it, 100% <laughs> is. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. So he's seventy years old. He could possibly spend, you know, the rest of his life in jail. Um, now, to confirm, that's just for one of the trials, right? The one that he's already pled guilty to, right? So he hasn't been sentenced yet for his first one, right? That he. I'm not sure if that's separate or if that's. I could be mistaken, because I know this is the judge, Judge Jackson, who... Yeah, because I think there were separate judges for each, but I don't know if they just, you know, did like a global resolution or something like that. Ah, uh, okay. I was wondering about that. So, because yeah. Ellis, Judge Ellis, I don't know if he's been sentenced to that yet, because I thought they delayed yeah. it because he was still cooperating with Mueller. I could be wrong, though. I apologize. Yeah. Let me see. I'll look it up real quick. Sure. Um, was there... Um... Yeah, like, like, I guess what we're trying to confirm is if, if it was Jackson or if it was... I, I know right now they're dealing with Jackson, but if that sentencing was for that trial... Well, they didn't even go to trial because he, he already pled guilty. Yes. So, so these were specific to the eight convictions on various financial fraud uh, okay. charges. So this is for his first trial. The... Uh, the... Yeah, I'm not it's, sure because the plea deal was to the other one. Yeah, but it's hard. So, yeah, because he pled guilty. I think this is all of it. It's all of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, Ellis, the Judge Ellis, and we have Judge Jackson. So, yeah. So for those who don't know, Manafort, he uh, was under – he was supposed to be tried two times. He literally had two ankle bracelets, two ankle monitors. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Do you ever watch Parks and Rec? Of course I watch Parks and Rec. I mean, that Jean Ralphio with the two ankle... <laughs> the worst! He said that uh, 
I think I think he said something like, like he made it into into like law school textbooks or something because he was like the first. The judge said something about that was the first one he had to issue two ankle monitors to some <laughs> to someone. So so Paul Manafort had to have two ankle monitors as well, one for each judge. So. Yeah, that I've never seen. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, so then he got sentenced um, to, or, or the, the recommend. No, the, that's uh, going to be March thirteenth is when the judge will decide. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's where that's where that's at. Um, I guess I'll jump into the next story that happened, uh, which is on Friday. Trump, I guess, caved to the game of chicken and. Uh, Sign. I want to correct something. Go ahead. I'm go ahead. Sorry, it's no, no, March no. 5th, not March 13th. Okay. Okay. Good. All oh, right. that reminds me. I need to make a correction. I was informed. We talked about a few episodes back that someone has suggested, or Ted Cruz has suggested to use the money from the, the chapel to fund the wall. Well, yeah. uh, I, I know someone who works in pretty much law enforcement, and that person said that you can't do that. Like, that money is supposed to only be used for law enforcement stuff. So even if it was it's a pop, legal. yeah, it's not legal. So anyway, so I, I've been meaning to correct that. So sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, that was great. Okay, great feedback. Okay, so um, so Trump decides to open the government to or keep it from shutting down because uh, if if you guys remember, Trump holds the record now for the longest government shutdown um, of thirty five days. And to recap, Democrats last year offered him $25 billion for the wall <laughs> in exchange for DACA. So he shut it down. He backed out. And so he went from $25 billion, so in this new spending deal, to like barely $1.4, maybe 5 And it's not even for the wall. It's for like fencing. In certain places and general border security. Exactly. So um, so I'll read a couple excerpts here from an article. Uh, it says this. It says, President Trump declared a national emergency on the border with Mexico on Friday in order to access billions of dollars that Congress refused to give him to build a wall there, transforming a highly charged policy dispute into a confrontation over the separation of powers outlined in the Constitution. So pretty much what happened was Trump knew he wasn't, he wasn't going to get his money. So he decides to do a national emergency. So at that point, Which we called. We did, exactly. We called that in like December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did, man. We did. So uh, that's exactly what he did. He knew that uh, he was not going to get his money for his wall through the traditional way. And for those who don't know, what happens is there's a, a pool of money that's set aside that the president can use without Congress. So he can bypass Congress and um, he doesn't need their approval for this money. So he is pulling money from, I want to say, go ahead. The defense budget. Defense budget, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so um, he's pulling money from that. There's also some like drug prevention programs he's pulling money from. Um, he is 
Uh, I think he's going to get about $8 billion, which is like nothing. Uh, wow, that's hardly a down payment on a wall. Exactly. So, and as we said before, just because he declares a national emergency does not mean that they are going to start building right away. You know, you're not going to start seeing military trucks pull up at the border with blocks and and cement and whatever, you know, like, yeah. so, um, so what do you Especially think? Especially since 16 states have filed the suit seeking an injunction against him doing that. Exactly. So that means, so. Right. So it's going to, what's going to happen is it's going to go to the courts and Trump knows this and, and. Janine, you pointed out as well that he doesn't want the wall. Like, he wants to fight for the wall, right? Yep. So he just wants he wants to keep it as a, as a campaign promise in 2020 for his, his red meat base. So, yep. so obviously it's being challenged by, by different attorney generals in different states. Um, so it's – and the way our legal system works, it's going to take forever. So this could – very easily bleed into 2020. Um, did you see Ann Coulter's meltdown? Yeah, I did. That was a treat. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> she pretty much said it's over. You know, she yeah. she said that it's over. There is no wall. Called Trump an idiot. Called. She said she would rather have pederast Jared Fogel. Working in the White House than Jared Kushner. Her words. Oh, pederast. the subway guy. The subway guy. Okay, I had to remember who that was. Okay. <laughs> she would rather have a literal pedophile. Than Jared <laughs> Gosh. Okay, so and and it. I mean, I'm sure Trump's feelings were hurt, but you know he has his Fox and friends to to coddle him. You know to to yep. to nurse those wounds. So. Yes. Uh, also, he went to Mar-a-Lago this weekend and was spotted at the at the omelet bar. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not too hurt. Yeah, so exactly what what a uh, an emergency, what a national emergency does. But to kind of help um, give a little bit of background here, here here are some examples of when past presidents have declared a national emergency. Um, obviously, nine eleven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, pretty much uh, they have money set aside so that he doesn't need to wait on Congress. He can just, bam, you know, initial it. Obviously, Congress is not going to fight him, on, on fight Bush on 9-11, right? Like, you know, so they use, uh, that was a national emergency. Uh, under Obama in 2009, there was a swine flu epidemic. So he declared a national emergency for there. So the difference is... Those were legit emergencies that people weren't going to challenge them on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's very hard to argue that there's a national emergency when illegal border crossings are at a 20-year low. Right. Exactly. You just – it's – I don't buy it. There's no argument to be made there. And he even started changing the narrative. I think at his rally, it was finish the wall. It's like – I mean, it's, I don't want to keep doubting his base, but it's, at this point, I'm sure they will believe him, you know, he, he could say it's an invisible wall and they'll believe him, you know, that, that's what I think. So, yeah, um, yeah so that's pretty much what happened there with uh, Trump declared a national emergency because he knows he's not going to get the money for his wall. Um, it's going to be fought by the states and 
my concern is this, and I'll finish with this, is I'm just concerned that it's going to go to the Supreme Court. But by then, it'll be in a year, a year and a half. But I just wonder if they're going to give, they're going to give it to him, if they're going to allow him to do that. And then when a Democrat in the future is like, you know what? This is what Nancy Pelosi says. She goes, a Democratic president can declare health care a national emergency or I think that even conservatives on the Supreme Court will be understanding of the precedent that they would be setting by ruling in his favor on this matter okay honestly I I don't know maybe I have too much hope (laughs) humanity left but I, I genuinely believe that they would not rule in favor of the president being able to declare a national emergency to get what they're unable to get through legislative means because it just completely defies the purpose of the constitution and the way the country works. Congress makes the law, the president enacts them. Right. The president doesn't get to choose how the country spends the money he can suggest it. Right. He can lobby for it, but he doesn't get to unilaterally decide that's for Congress. He's violating the purposes of the government. And it's amazing so. how many Republicans have just rolled over on this. I mean, there's videos resurfacing of Lindsey Graham when Obama uh, declared, you know, just overreaching executive power, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. they're just completely silent on this. Or or I think even Marco Rubio was like, he better not take Florida hurricane money. But he's not going to do anything, you know. Nope. I mean, that's our nope. senators. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Good old Marco. Yeah. What suit, Marco? What I'll, and I'll say lastly about this is with the Supreme Court, uh, the only thing that gives me hope is, is, is I actually heard a really good podcast episode. I recommend it by The Daily, um, The New York Times Daily. And um, they did a piece on uh, Chief Justice Roberts and how he is sort of like the – not the swing vote, but he is – he has a real concern – for the court's reputation yeah right so he doesn't want to set this like you know like you said earlier like this precedent of screw what the supreme court says you know we're just going to do whatever we want right yeah so that that gave me hope i recommend it it's only like 15 minutes long or so um but i I recommend that episode by the daily uh, new york times daily podcast and it's i think it came out like thursday or friday they did one on, on chief justice roberts like a a profile of him and it was interesting that you know he recently sided with the democrat or the liberal judges on the louisiana abortion law saying you guys can't ban abortion like you have to it's it's the law so you have to allow it so that was a shocker yeah. but you know they said it he did it you know he's more like chipping away at, at abortion rights than instead of flat out denying roe v wade there's a tactic right there's a tactic. It's slow and steady wins the race for them. They just want to take away piece by piece and limit it and limit it and limit it and limit it to the point where it becomes functionally illegal. Right. But without being officially illegal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. so that was interesting that, that he sided uh, with them. So I guess there's some hope there that he – that it's like Trump stacked the Supreme Court and he's putting all his chips in that. But – I think Chief Justice Roberts might be a thorn in that plan, I think. Yeah. It could be wrong. So, But, uh, okay, so going on with more Mueller news, what do we got next? Oh, yeah, uh, up next, um, this is pretty interesting. It, it, it kind of 
just sort of confirmed some things that had previously been reported. But um, Special Counsel Mueller's prosecutors issued a court filing, and in it they mentioned, and I will, I will read it verbatim. Sure. Um, it says that during their investigation of the Russian hack of the document of the Democrats, uh, the government obtained and executed dozens of search warrants on various accounts used to facilitate the transfer of stolen documents for release, as well as to discuss the timing and promotion of their release. Mm. Several of those search warrants were executed on accounts that contained Stone's communications with Guccifer 2.0 and with Organization 1 which we know to be WikiLeaks. So here we have Mueller pretty much for the first time saying, we have information about Roger Stone having direct communications with WikiLeaks that may or may not have been to discuss the timing and promotion of their release. And so this kind of was like a sleeper story. People were, it wasn't really like a bombshell, but... It is definitely very interesting because if Mueller has information that Roger Stone was coordinating with WikiLeaks and trying to time when certain leaks would be dropped, that would certainly play into the narrative of the Trump campaign colluding or engaging in a conspiracy Hmm. to to swing the election with Russia because um, it was already well-known in 2016, like they can't argue that they didn't know that WikiLeaks was Russian. It, it was public knowledge even then, so they they knew. Um, it'll be interesting to see what becomes of that. So there it is. There's the proof of collusion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, pretty much. And and that's why I've always said that people don't expect like a big bombshell. You know, it's like yeah. Mueller's dropping these little tiny bombs. You know, <laughs> like. Through, yeah. through these court documents and I mean yeah I mean what Janine just read is that's a that's a BFD I mean that really is it's 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 like the first time that Mueller has publicly shown that we have tangible proof that Roger Stone who was working for Donald Trump during the for the Trump campaign uh, conspired and coordinated tactical releases of stolen emails to try to help Trump win the election. It's like what I when I think about this story, I think about October sixth, and that's the day that the Access Hollywood tape came out. And would you know, in less than an hour after that happened, WikiLeaks dropped some more Hillary Clinton emails. Wow! So it definitely, I mean, they could have done that on their on their own. You know, it doesn't take a genius to think, oh, we should get a distraction out. However, if the Trump campaign maybe knew it was coming in the pipeline and told them, hey, hold off on posting that, something bad is going to drop for us and we need you to throw the heat off, that is problematic. Right. And, and to remind people listening, it is illegal to work with a foreign government to win an election. No, no matter how many times they try to move the goalposts, the law doesn't change. Yeah. You know, which speaking of, I haven't seen Rudy Giuliani in a while. Him. <laughs> he probably got in trouble. <laughs> I think so because he wasn't really doing a whole lot of good for the president. I'm not sure what he was even doing. I think I heard something about like 
Someone suspected he was drinking before he was going on the air. I don't know, man. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's. I mean, the... you have to be drinking to be working in that team. For real, yeah. Um, yeah, no, and so with Roger Stone, he was the guy who was recently arrested. You know, the FBI uh, arrested him in the morning. He's the guy who has the Richard Nixon tattoo on his back. <laughs> uh, he's definitely a character. So um, he generally like, looks like a weird steampunk villain, like kind of out of that like Wild Wild West Will Smith movie from the nineties. Yes, he wears top hats and and monocles and uh, yeah. People have compared him to to the Batman villain, the Penguin. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he's an interesting character. And um, actually, uh, before we started recording, there was that story that he, on his Instagram account, uh, uploaded a picture of the judge and his case with the freaking crosshair on it. And said something about the deep state and Obama appointed judge is out to get me and... And then since then he's deleted it, and then he resubmitted it without the crosshair, deleted it, and then released a picture of like an apology. And then apparently he right before, literally like right before we started recording, I guess he apologized to the court. His lawyers. Oh, his lawyers. <laughs> he didn't write that. <laughs> no, his lawyers were definitely twisting his arm to to issue a statement like that. So okay, so Roger Stone is is one of the you know besides Paul Manafort, uh, Roger Stone is one of the key figures in this investigation. So the fact that he's already been arrested, he's already been indicted. He, um, when is his court date? Uh, like, is that? Uh, I want to say it's like in April or something, right? I, I could be wrong, but I guess I'm trying to. I can't keep up with <laughs> with how many of these people are being. Uh, there's so many court dates. <laughs> Sometimes multiple courts on the same day, and it's, yeah. it's a mess. Okay. It's a big okay. old mess. All right, then. So I guess any last comments on that before we move on to the last story? Um, no. I, I, yeah, I mean, that's just something to, to keep an eye on because I think that could get really interesting really quick. Yeah, so he's definitely a stubborn guy, and he's going to... I don't ever, I don't know. I don't ever see him flipping, but we never know. I mean, it's there's no honor among thieves, you know, as they say. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. So lastly, I'll, I'll uh, briefly finish with. For me personally, it was probably one of the most uh, disturbing stories I read, um, and it was about a guy by the name of Andrew McCabe. And if that name doesn't sound familiar, what happened was. In May of 2017, um, he was second in command with the FBI, and uh, Trump had fired James Comey, who was at the time the director of, of the FBI, and so this guy was in charge until they found a permanent replacement. So he is coming out with the book. I think it's coming out tomorrow, and it kind of shares his perspectives onto what happened. And I love, like the like my favorite timeline that I, I that I like to read about is the week or so from the time Comey was fired to they brought on Robert Mueller because it was sort of like and so we're sort of getting bits and pieces of it um, and so the Atlantic released some excerpts from from the book that um, I, I want to read and it's a little lengthy but I, I think it's worth the read 
and um, and I and I'll share the the link online. But it's it, it definitely I don't know. I read it when I finished reading the whole article. I just had this uneasy feeling like this isn't normal, you know. And I sent this I sent this to my friend who I call the enlightened centrist, where both sides are the same. And and he replied, I have I have yet to read them. Um, I've been meaning to, but he replied with some Obama quote unquote scandals and stuff too. You know, they're all corrupt. But anyway, so I, I sent him saying, please read this and tell me what Obama did to equate to this type of stuff. You know? Yeah. So anyway, so I, I let me uh, let me read a, a brief excerpt. He says this. Um, he is talking about. A meeting that he had with Trump after Comey was fired, and they're okay. all just to clarify who is talking about this again. Andrew McCabe. This is McCabe. McCabe. Okay. Yes, Andrew McCabe. Yes. So the Atlantic shared articles about, like, they shared an excerpt. So it was like written by him, right? Okay. So it wasn't like someone writing about the book. It was excerpts yeah. from his book. So in this context of this quote, he is talking about the time after Comey was fired, and so they're in a like sort of at a conference room and they're all and they're all meeting together all the department of justice leaders and the fbi and everybody and so here's what he says at talking about his meeting with trump he goes in this moment i felt the way i'd felt in 1998 in a case involving the russian mafia when i sent a man i'll call big felix in to meet with the mafia boss named dimitri ufield i'm probably butcher that name i apologize he says <laughs> The same kind of thing was happening here in the Oval Office. Dimitri had wanted Felix to endorse his protection scheme. This is a dangerous business, and it's a bad neighborhood. And you know, if you want, I can protect you from that. If you want my protection, I can protect you. Do you want my protection? The president and his men were trying to work with me the way a criminal brigade would operate. Like, that blows my mind. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, uh, and it's just shocking that um, that he's not the only one who compared uh, Trump to a mob boss. Yeah. It's the most common comparison I've seen. And then can you remind me, you mentioned it before when you're talking to Michael Flynn. Can you remind me again what Trump said to Comey about Flynn when they, when they had their one-on-one dinner? Uh, well, he... I, I want to say he had a couple meetings that were sort of about it where, you know, he told Comey that he expected loyalty. And then he also, you know, was talking about Mike Flynn and basically saying, he's a good guy. I hope you can see your way through letting this go. Mm-hmm. Which is not saying verbatim, I want you to let this go. But it's making it very clear that he wants him to drop it. Right. And so that's kind of the crux of the whole the whole deal. Right. So um yeah, I mean, so there is this constant theme that that Trump operates like a mob boss and it sucks because Robert Mueller is known to bring down mob bosses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> yep. Um Rosenstein knew what he was doing when he grabbed Mueller. Exactly. And actually, this sort of shed some light, too, with a little bit more background. And I I read this excerpt of how Robert Mueller actually got brought on board. So I'll I'll, I'll read this, this quote here. He says, on the afternoon of May 17, 
Rosenstein and I sat at the end of a long conference table in a secure room in the basement of the Capitol. We were there to be briefed. Uh, I'm sorry. We were there to brief the so-called Gang of Eight, the majority and minority leaders of the House and Senate, and chairs and ranking members of the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. Rosenstein had, I knew, made a decision to appoint a special counsel in the Russia case. Chuck Schumer, the Democratic senator from New York, was to our right. Mitch McConnell, the Republican senator from Kentucky, and the Senate Majority Leader was to our left. The mood in the room was somber. Um, so he pretty much said that, like, he, he sort of paints uh, sort of paints this somber picture of, okay, something is happening. Like, this isn't good. The President of the United yeah. States could be a Russian asset. So he, he goes in a little bit more about how he... Um, you know, decided to appoint uh, Robert Mueller, and well, he was the one who, um, you know, who pretty much said we have to do something. And I, I'm trying to find the quote, but like towards the end of that um, of that article, he pretty much says, um, "Where do you go here?" No, that's not it. I apologize. But anyway, so what he pretty much says is that. <laughs> Um, is if he is remembered for anything, is that he's the one who brought the obstruction case to the table. So he's the one that was like, he went to the FBI, he said, hey, you know, this is before Robert Mueller, and was like, okay, so before, um, can you update me on this Russia investigation? What's going on? What do we have? You know, what do we have on Trump, blah, blah, blah. And then he brought Rod Rosenstein in. And was like, okay, should we hire special counsel? So after a few days, Robert Mueller, um, you know, pretty much went from being the true American that he is and, you know, an eagle flying around the country and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and was, was brought on board. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, any thoughts on that about just what I'm trying to say is the article paints a chaotic picture during those during that week i mean is that the kind of vibe you got if you've read other stories about that as well i have read other stories and i remember hearing stuff about uh rosenstein talking about like basically counting votes for the 20 25th amendment which is the mm. amendment that allows a cabinet to decide that a president is incapable of holding office and removing president from his position um i think it's kind of something that sort of came about to deal with things like illness or assassination attempts where like a, a president is incapacitated but it's also sort of general and apparently he was like counting votes for that to see who would support a 25th amendment movement to remove him and apparently he also offered to wear a wire mm. to go speak with the president so definitely, like, that's not normal. Right. And that's what I'm trying to say is, how can you equate Obama to that? Yeah. It's, you know? like, Obama wasn't a saint for sure. Right. He had his issues. But no one in his administration ever in a million years would have thought about wearing a wire. <laughs> I mean, just think about that. Like, let that resonate, that the president of the United States was pretty much a target of an investigation by his own Department of Justice. Appointed. Yes. Cabinet members. Yes. He's the one who appointed them. And, 
And so, and then one last thing I, I'll, I'll mention about the article that I found very, very shocking besides this whole Trump is a mob boss is the fact that he did not, uh, Andrew McCabe did not like previous Attorney General Jeff Sessions. He did not like him. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and in the article, I mean, he, or in the excerpts of the book, he shares stories about how, you know, Jeff Sessions would, you know, kind of fumble, like his tablet, like he just seemed really scattered brained and he could not focus on multiple things at a time. But what really shocked me the most was, I mean, we all know Jeff Sessions was racist, but to see from or to get the picture from a guy who worked closely with him saying like yeah. when, whenever there was a, a, a story about a crime, he said the first thing Jeff Sessions would ask was, where's the person from, you know, or, or where are his parents from? So because he wanted oh, to, yeah, like he wanted to paint this picture of immigrants are evil. And I was shocked to find out that it was Jeff Sessions' idea for the separation policy for, for to punish asylum seekers. You know, like if there's a family fleeing from Central America to us in a normal presidency, we would say, welcome. You know what I mean? You, we yeah. are your refuge, right? Jeff Sessions, like, I don't want more brown people here. So we are going to... Scare them away. So that, that's pretty much what I, what I took away from that is that it was just I, I recommend it. it's from the Atlantic and um, and I'll share it online and I, I definitely recommend that. We can right. post it on our Twitter account. Yes, we have a, an official Twitter account now. <laughs> yep, it's What a Week Pod. Yep. So Twitter handle is What a Week Pod. So definitely check it out. Um, I guess that will wrap it up from my end. And uh, yeah. anything else you want to add to that, Janine? Uh, no, I would just say that um, right, bef- right before we started recording, um, CNN's reporting that Rod Rosenstein will be leaving within three weeks. <gasps> wow. And he had previously said that he intended to stay through to the end of Mueller's investigation. So we're getting some very mixed signals here. So the next few weeks should be pretty interesting, I think. And that makes it interesting, too, that with what I said last week, that the speculation of Mueller telling Michael Cohen, Trump's attorney, not to testify before yeah. the House because yeah. he said wait till after the 28th, which yeah. would be around that time. But, you know, and if, if we mentioned last week that, uh, you know, Rod Rosenstein was the acting attorney general because they didn't have a, a full time replacement. Well, now they do in William Barr. So, yeah. so we'll see what he does. I mean, you mentioned before that William Barr and Mueller are actually close friends. So, yeah. So, we'll, so we'll see then. So, but okay, yeah. Thanks, thanks for keeping us uh, posted on that, and, and we'll see where that goes. So, but um, well, I guess that is uh, that's a wrap for this week and episode five. Episode five, yeah. So, and uh, if you have any questions, you can tweet us at What a Week Pod. Or you can email at whatawekpod at gmail. I do get emails, believe it or not. So, That's uh, awesome. I keep them coming. Yeah, definitely. So, well, I guess I will talk to you guys next time. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, Jerry.